gathering a support group in the narthex at the church. In the comic strip, The Wizard of Id, a man is standing before the king with his attorney, and he's bound up as a criminal, and the prosecutor says to the king, My king, this man robbed a bank. And the man then pleads to the king and says, Oh, king, my wife is very sick. The king replies, Will she need help getting to your trial? And the man's lawyer whispers in his client, his client's ear, Compassion is not his lawsuit. Well, this was the image of kings that people of the first century of Palestine had. It's hard for us to understand this kind of king today, where kings and queens still exist. Most of them live and work within carefully constructed boundaries. Most kings and queens are they're not absolute monarchs. They are constitutional ones. They can bring subtle pressure to uh, politicians, letting them know what they would like done, but they stay within their bounds. Kings today, for the most part, stay within careful limits. But, you know, this is not true everywhere. There are places in the world where dictators and kings and princes rule with no sense of responsibility for their subjects. There are places in the world where kings and princes rule their kingdom without any semblance of compassion and responsibility for their subjects. And when the people of these kingdoms do not do the ruler's bidding, they're tortured and they're murdered. If we have been tuned at all to the news recently, we know the news about the Saudi prince who's accused of having a, a um, journalist killed and where women rights activists have been sexually harassed and tortured over time. This was the kind of king that people in Jesus' day knew and they experienced. Kings in the day of Jesus ruled with an iron fist. They were all powerful. And people also knew this. They knew how one became a king. They knew that a person was either crowned king by birthright or by violence. The people hearing this gospel story would have remembered the story of Judas Maccabeus, who established his rule by military uh, might uh, against the Syrians. They would have remembered Herod the Great who defeated the Parthians. And because he defeated the Parthians, the Roman government granted him the title King of the Jews. So when Pilate faces Jesus and, and knows that the crime attributed to him is that he's claiming to be king, Pilate is thinking about political tyranny. Pilate knows what kings are, what kingdoms do, where they come from and how they behave. He knows that it is his job to make sure that no such thing happens on his watch. And this is why the first question he asks is, So, are you king of the Jews? What Pilate discovers during his conversation with Jesus is something quite foreign to him. Jesus is not claiming to be king like Judas Maccabeus. He's not claiming to be king like Herod the Great. Jesus says that his kingdom does not come from this world. He is indicating to Pilate that he is king of truth. And if you recall Pilate's famous three-word question, what is truth? It shows us that he doesn't understand the kind of kingdom that Jesus is speaking of. During the community Thanksgiving service, I shared with the congregation that the Oxford Dictionary word for 2018 is toxic. Isn't that amazing? However, does anybody happen to remember what 2017 was? Post-truth. Post-truth is where objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion. Post-truth appeals to the 
and to be sure Christ's truth is what Jesus is experiencing here. The religious leaders had worked the Jewish people up into a frenzy. It didn't matter what the actual truth was about Jesus' ministry. It was only how the religious leaders were able to influence the belief of the Jews and to indicate to Pilate that if he didn't want to deal with the Jewish insurrection, he had better have Jesus arrested and he had better have Jesus punished. This is the kind of truth where leadership looks for political and social power. This is the kind of truth about power and might. Pilate's truth was about wielding power over the vulnerable in order to keep the peace. And Jesus' truth is not about power over the vulnerable. It's about giving up power for the vulnerable. There was a movie made about 30 years ago. Just hang tight. 30 years. It was called Three Men and a Baby. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. It was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie, but it was good. I remember the movie, though, because of the truth in the movie. Three talented, powerful, affluent men who have their lives pretty well under control. They have their world turned upside down and inside out by a little baby. A young woman abandons an infant at the front door of their lawn, and they find themselves caring for this infant child. And the premise of the story becomes very clear very quickly. The one who is the most vulnerable renders these powerful men powerless over their own lives. Now, this is not a bad analogy to consider on this last Sunday before Advent. This is not a bad analogy to consider when we get, we're getting ready to experience the, the divine intrusion of Jesus, the one born in Bethlehem. You see, we'll never begin to experience the power of the gospel, the gospel truth, until we begin to see the enormous contradiction of everything the world calls truth. See, there are places in our human soul where intimidation and coercion can never go. And until we realize this, until we give up our need for being in control of our lives, we won't experience the kind of truth that Jesus is speaking of here. Persons who work 12 steps understand this type of thing. The truth of 12 steps, um, uh, whatever group it's about, steps one and two indicate to understand the truth of life is to understand the truth of God. We come to a realization that we're powerless over our own lives, that by our own will, we're powerless over sin. And because of this life, our lives can become unmanageable. And because of this truth, we come to know that only God can restore us to some kind of sanity. Only God can give us eternal truth, that of salvation. From beginning to end, the life of Jesus is a life of truth. It's a truth that challenges us, just like the little baby did those three powerful men. It's a truth that turns the dominant values of society inside out and upside down. And from the moment of his birth in Bethlehem to the moment of his death on the cross, the life of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, is a direct contradiction to what the world offers us as the idea of power and control. You see, the truth of Jesus is an invitation for us to repent. It's a call for us to, to turn around our lives and to go in a different direction than those dominant values of society. It's a call to conversion. It's an invitation to a new way of seeing, a new way of thinking, feeling, and being, which is so radical, it's almost like being born again. This is the Jesus truth. This is the message from the King of Truth. The truth is 
found most vividly in his teachings on the Beatitudes. This is a teaching that shows how our vulnerability is made powerful through God's love, where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One author has said the Sermon on the Mount expresses quite plainly that God views the world with different lenses than many of us. The truth of these Beatitudes should be survival of the least fit. The characteristics of Jesus' truth is one of our dependence on God and our interdependence with one another. Tyler didn't understand this kind of truth, truth about being poor in spirit or meek in relationships, hungering for righteousness, about being merciful and pure in heart. Pilate understood truth that was revealed by wielding the sword and condemning people to crucifixion in order to keep the peace. Pilate's truth was his truth, the final truth. It was his power against Jesus' weakness. It was his cross that would crucify Jesus if Jesus didn't see truth as he saw it. And here's the thing. The truth of the cross is the truth of Jesus for each one of us. The cross is the truth of Jesus. The real truth of Jesus is found further into the Passover story, where the criminal Barabbas is released and Jesus is imprisoned. If you recall, it was the privilege of Pilate to release one of the prisoners uh, during Passover. And the crowd, having been worked up into a rage by the religious leaders, called for the release of Barabbas. Barabbas, facing death on a cross, was released. He was pardoned, he was set free, and Jesus was crucified in his place. The truth says to us that one man dies for another, so he can go free. Well, Pilate didn't see it at the time, but the Gospel of John wants us to see it. This is what the cross means. This is what truth does. Truth is what Jesus is. Truth is Jesus dies for Barabbas and for Israel and for the world. The truth is Jesus, the King of truth, the King of love, dying for you and me, for the world. Jesus' enormous love and dying for us is our salvation. It's our grace. It is our peace. And it is into this loving truth that we are baptized and in which we grow in our faith. When we face the truth of our lives and realize we need Jesus, the King of truth, to, to transform us, this is the beginning of embracing the truth of salvation and abundant life. So our challenge today, and you'll hear a lot about this in, the, uh, in Advent, our challenge today is to be alert and to listen to Jesus. In our scripture today, the, um, the passage ended by it saying, Everyone who belongs to the truth, listen to my voice. The invitation for us today is to pay attention and to listen to the invitation of Jesus as a people of love. So what is the voice of Jesus saying to you today? Where is the voice of Jesus leading you so that you might grow more in love with God and with others? 
where is the voice of Jesus leading you? And maybe to become more active in your prayer life. Maybe to find a place in a Sunday school class or a Bible study where you can connect with God, where you can come to know more about Jesus, the King of Truth, where you can experience the, the love of Jesus and grow more in love with God and with others. You think you might see what I did there? To connect and to love and to know and to grow. Where is the voice of Jesus leading us to live in truth of his love? Who are the least and the last in your life that you need each day? And how can you love them?